morning, church family. Yeah, really nice to see Pastor Jeff here today. Is that okay? Yeah. So today, what uh, I'm going to have to turn this off. I'm just going to turn this. Test. Doesn't work at all. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for the Sabbath that we can come here together. And Father, we pray today that as we worship here, that the Holy Spirit will be here. Dear Lord, I pray that, and I'm asking of thee, that thou will guide my mind and my lips. I will pray that thou will guide the minds and the hearts of all of us here assembled for worship. I pray that the Lord Jesus Christ will be supreme in our affections, that we will look to him and to him alone for eternal life and for truth. Dear Lord, we pray for the presence of the Spirit of God to be here with us. We pray for meat in due season. We pray for directives and guidance as to the path that we need to take in these last days. We thank you so much for hearing our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, happy Sabbath. I'm glad to be here again. And uh, I hope the very best for all of you as we gather here and as we look very rapidly into these last days. Now, what I'd like to do uh, today is take a look at uh, Romans chapter 13. And obviously our time is limited, so I'll share a few things because I don't really know a whole lot. But I'll share with you some of what I know. And uh, what I would like to do is I would like to talk to you today um, in from Romans, uh, or based on Romans 13. Yeah. Can you hear me now? How's that? Evidently wasn't. Uh, it's not working. Does it have a faulty battery? The battery might be faulty. Okay. Right now, still getting back feet. Can you just unplug that one? How's that? But I'm not coming through on the mic now, am I? The light's on, but I'm not getting a microphone project. You want me to turn this one off then? That should be good. All right, good. So happy Sabbath, everyone. Hey, I would like to just share with you a couple little quick testimonies. I want to really encourage you to uh, do all you can to share this message by passing out literature. And there's other ways of doing it, but passing out literature is a really good way of doing it, okay? Um, Just a couple days ago, I was at a a house, and I was showing the man the book, The Great Controversy, and he said, well, he said, I've got another book that's published by Seventh-day Adventist. So I told him about the book. And I didn't know why he mentioned Seventh-day Adventists. I didn't know if he was in favor of them or prejudice against them. But I thought to myself, well, if he gets this book and reads it and finds out later that it's a Seventh-day Adventist book and I didn't tell him, he might not like that. So I said to him, I said, well, sir, I said this book was published by Seventh-day Adventists also. That didn't stop him. He went and got the money and got the book. I was at another house, and I was showing the man a book. The book, well, mainly I present and share the book, Great Controversy, and... um, I was showing another man the book, and 
He said, well, who's the author of this book? I said, Ellen G. White. He said, oh, he said, she's written a lot of books, hasn't she? He said, yeah. He said, I'll get this one too. Mm. Yeah. There's people out there reading those books, brothers and sisters. They have power. Yep. Don't be ashamed of the Seventh-day Adventist message. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Don't be ashamed of it. Yeah, it's the power of God unto salvation, right? So um, I'd like to talk to you today about faith and love and religious liberty. How's that for packing it in? Huh? So just a few thoughts on each thing. Um, you know, when we get together, it's very important that we share things that will really help us in our Christian walk. And so that is our purpose here as a Sabbath school teacher or whoever stands in the pulpit or what have you. Um, but anyway, I'd like for you to take the Bible. We're going to take a look at Romans chapter 13. We're going to read some from that. And this is a chapter about uh, religious freedom, religious, um, well, you can say it's about religious freedom. It's also about our duty to uh, the powers that be, that is government powers, to cooperate with them and to obey them. And um, we're going to read some here from Romans chapter 13. Uh, Since it's such a short chapter, I may read through it and then we'll comment after that, okay? It's about 14 verses. So in Romans chapter 13, if you have that, by the way, there's another chapter in the Bible that is very closely linked to this, and that is the book of Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. These are definitely need to be and can be studied together. In Romans chapter 13, Paul says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God. A revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in, in this saying, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Amen. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof, Romans chapter 13. So, uh, first I want to talk about love, and then 
um, I'm sorry, faith and then love and then religious liberty. But I would like to have, have you do a little bit of thinking. Of course, uh, you should be constantly thinking when you're awake, right? But let's do a little bit of thinking here. When we read the Bible, we are to see what the Bible said, right? We are to observe very carefully what it said, and then we are to seek to comprehend what it is saying. Okay? Let me illustrate. When Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, what was he saying? That's what he said, but what was he saying? Was Jesus saying that some people are righteous and they don't need saved, and others are unrighteous and they need saved? Was he saying that? Or was he saying some people know they're lost and they, need, and they know they need a savior and those are the people that I came to save? Isn't that, do you see the difference? Do you see the difference there? What I'm simply trying to, I'm, I, I want you to think about here is that when we read the Bible, we want to read it very carefully to see what it said. And then we are to seek to understand by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we are to pray for the Holy Spirit to see what it is saying. By the way, I have an inspired uh, statement in a book below me here, fifth volume of the Testimonies. It says, the Bible was not written for the scholar alone. On the other hand, it was written for the common people. And the interpretation given by the common people, when guided by the Holy Spirit, accords best with the truth. Pretty interesting, isn't it? God will show you truth. Yeah, yeah the Holy Spirit is the, the um, greatest interpreter of truth. Well, I want you to ponder here on Paul's statement at the conclusion of the chapter. He says, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. This is one of many, 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 many repeated statements in Paul's Romans and in Paul's writings where Paul describes how to connect with Christ and have uh, faith in him and to gain salvation. Okay? And in this case, Paul says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. All right? Now I want you to think about something. How do I... Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. How? Well, let's look at inspiration briefly. Okay? And um, first off, I think what I want you to do, you should have this memorized. You probably do. You may. If you don't, please do. But the last verse in the three angels' messages... In the third angel concludes his message by saying, here is the patience of the saints. Oh. I, need, I need improvement on that one. Maybe some of you do. But it says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. All right? Now, there's three things. The patience of the saints, they keep the commandments of God, and they have the faith of Jesus. Now, from what I understand in the, in the, uh, is that in the, Hebrew, in the Hebrew mind, they would express things like this. First, they would explain the result of something, and then they would tell you what the result was, and then after that, they would tell you what the cause is. Okay? 
So in the third angel's message, the result of the third angel's message is the saints have patience and they keep the commandments of God. That's the result and the cause is the faith of Jesus. All right? The faith of Jesus. So the result is patience. They keep the commandments of God. All right? And then the cause is the faith of Jesus. Let's just think about just a little bit what the faith of Jesus is. Is the faith of Jesus the same as faith in Jesus? Let's go to the book of Galatians briefly. Um, I want to take you to the book of Galatians and we'll go to chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Paul in this chapter is rebuking and correcting Peter for a wrong stand he took in relationship to the Gentiles. And then, if you would, go to verse 16. We're going to read that and and observe just briefly here what it's saying. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. Now watch, or observe rather. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, that is, we can, we can give nothing to God morally to make us right with God. We have nothing to pay for our sins and our transgressions. We have nothing, we can't produce anything. If we do try and produce something, if we bring him money or whatever it may be, or beat ourselves, it, it's worthless. Okay? You, you, you cannot be saved by the works of the law. Any attempt to produce or present to God merit to recommend you and bring you back into favor with God. It's, it's impossible. All right? He says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith, watch, of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. Okay? Now, I want to take you to Galatians 2.20, and then I'm going to uh, share with you a thought here. I hope it will be very meaningful. Same chapter, verse 20. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul says, I live, yet not I, but what? Christ, yet Christ lives in me, okay? And he says, the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All right? Here's what I believe Paul is saying. In fact, if you look at the text, this is what he is saying. 
Paul says, Christ is in me. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Okay? And he says, I live my life by the faith of the Son of God. Here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, gee, when you have faith in Jesus, Jesus will come into you and live out his faith in you. Yeah. In other words, as he said to the Colossians in verse 27, chapter 1, verse 27, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So this idea is repeated often in the Bible. Uh, in Galatians, Paul uh, mentions it back in chapter 1. He says, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him. To reveal his son in me that I might preach him. So the three angels' messages are describing a people who have faith in Jesus and they depend totally on, excuse me, they depend totally on Jesus. Jesus lives out his life in them and because of that, they are patient. And because of that, they keep the commandments of God. And because of that, well, the faith of Jesus is what causes it. Okay? Now, a couple statements from the spirit of prophecy for you. (coughs) Here's one. I believe it's uh, Three Selected Messages, page 172. She sa- It says this. It says, faith in the ability of Christ. Faith in the ability of Christ. To save us amply, fully, and entirely is the faith of Jesus. 3SM 172. Faith in the ability of Christ. In the ability of Christ to save us amply, fully, and and entirely is the faith of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm not a broken reed. I think I'm a busted one too. I mean, I really need Jesus. I really need him. But God's going to have a people in these last days, God's going to have a people in these last days who feel their lost, weak condition so much that they are going to depend with tenacious perseverance upon Christ, and they will not back off from him. They will depend upon him. And John says, describes them this way. He says, they follow the lamb whithersoever he goes. They won't let him go. Okay? So, faith in the ability of Christ to save us amply, fully, and entirely is the faith of Jesus, 3SM 172. Now, in the book Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings, you'll see on page 112 and 149 a statement that goes like this. Very short, but it says this. Very simple, but def- definitive. It says, In receiving the word, this is what it's talking about. The promises in God's word. It says, In receiving the word, we Receive Christ. In receiving the word, we receive Christ. So when we receive the word, we have Christ. You know, the the reason the Reformation took off with such tremendous force and, and, and compelling power in the time of Luther is that Luther and his co laborers persuaded the people, and rightly so, that they must have absolute faith in the word of God. 
and the people did, and as a result of it, they had an immortal hope, as it says in the book Great Controversy. Okay? Any comments or questions? Yes? Yes, very well said. Uh, in other words, we embrace it, we depend upon it above everything else. Yeah, receiving it is mean, we, means we depend upon it above everything else. So, <clears throat> Within the last couple of weeks, a friend of mine had scribbled out on a sheet of paper a, a Bible verse, and I'm going to share it with you. And he scribbled it out and then took a photo of it and sent it to me on text. And here's what it is. I'm going to share it with you. John 10.28. John 10.28. Here's what it says. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. That's really good. All the billionaires in the world can't produce enough cash to even touch that one. Mm hmm. Paul said in Romans 1, the just shall live by faith. This is the exercise of a constant dependence on God. Emory just read it. He that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. Fight the good fight of faith. The just shall live by faith. Constant dependence on God. Now, I would like to talk to you a little bit about love, okay? Now, we read twice in our scripture reading that love is the fulfilling of the law, okay? I'd like for you to go to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, uh, look at verse 37. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Now verse 37 says, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. 
Um, here, Jesus is telling every person, if you want to be saved, you must hold in subservience beneath me every other relationship that you have. Period. I must be supreme in your affections. In fact, you must love me so much, you will love me more than you love your own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, as we get into the study, and I'm watching the clock here, I'm going to try and just only be reason- very reasonable and regular with the time and not go beyond. But as we get into our study on religious liberty, this is a precedent and a concept that we need to understand as we approach the subject of religious liberty and submission to government powers. Okay? So Jesus said, He that loveth me, uh, love a father or mother more than me, is, and he that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, I'd like for you to go take in your Bibles, uh, go over in your Bibles, rather, to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I want to look at another verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. First Corinthians chapter 16, down near the end of the chapter, I'm looking at verse 22. By the way, in verse 21, Paul says the salutation of me, Paul, with mine own hand. As you well realize, because of his obstructed vision, which was very dim, he would often have someone write his epistles for him, and then he would uh, sign in at the end to authenticate that the epistle was from him. So right now, he's into the part where he's writing with his own hand. Okay? The salutation of me, Paul, with mine own hand. Verse 22. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, maranatha. Now, Paul is bringing out a very, very important truth here, and he's bringing out this fact. That the sum and substance of religion and Christianity is not only a belief in a system of truth, but it is love for a person, and it is love for the Lord Jesus Christ. As he is God and man, and as because he died for us and gave his life on Calvary's cross for us, we need to think about this. In the book Acts of the Apostles, It says that Paul knew that if he could get people to take one earnest look at the cross, much would be gained. Think about who it is that died on the cross. An infinite sacrifice made there, the eternal God becoming man, paying for our sins, going through with it, not knowing on the front side if he would actually pass through successfully, but willing to go through it and and save man at all cost to himself. And like John said, if God so loved us, We ought also to love one another. Paul says, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, 
That means given up to the judgments of God. Maranatha means the Lord is coming. Brothers and sisters, we live in the time of the end. We have a very loving, gracious God. But there is a time coming when probation will close as the door shut on the ark in Noah's time. Probation will close in these last days. There will be no more Savior available to those who have not surrendered to him. No more mediator. And the wrath of God will be deposited on this world with no mercy mingled in between. Read it in the three angels' messages. The wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture, no dilution to his wrath at the end. Look, we've got to understand something. God is extremely loving, extremely loving. But if sin is held on to, there comes a point where he cannot do anything more for the soul. Like it says in Revelation chapter 6, For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? Hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. Whoever saw an angry lamb? Did you ever see an angry lamb? Growling like a lion? No, no. It's very uncharacteristic for a lamb to be angry. But there is coming a time when the Savior of this world will put off his priestly garments, and he will put on his robes of vengeance, garments of vengeance, and punish the world for its iniquity. And brothers and sisters, believe you me, if the world doesn't repent, if you and I don't repent, we've got it coming. Not merely because God is vindictive, but, but he has a just hatred against sin. And I was just reading what a historian said uh, uh, this morning where he said about the Catholic Church in Luther's time. He said people wouldn't think Luther was so hard on the Catholic Church if they lived in Luther's time and seen the terrible iniquity that was being foisted on the world in the name of religion. And as you will read, Luther said after visiting Rome, he said if there is a hell, Rome is built over it. It is an abyss abyss from whence issues every type of sin. So, but let God do the... We are not the ones who pass out judgment. If thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. The Bible says we are to honor all men. Okay? So even those who aren't worthy of it, we should respect humanity because the Lord paid an infinite price. Do you know that Ellen White says when Paul stood before Nero that there was one brief moment that even heaven was open to that very wicked man? One brief moment. And he blew it, and he threw it away. So, um, so let's let's take a look at Romans chapter thirteen just in a little bit here. Try and co- contemplate what Romans chapter thirteen is saying uh, to us uh, today. Okay, brothers and sisters, I think we would be more awake if we were studying more earnestly and we were looking more earnestly at what's going on in our world. It's, it, brothers and sisters, you realize it is getting intense out there? It's getting intense. It's getting intense. Did you see the, the video of the man who stood in front of the county leaders of a county in California and told them, My family is starving. I'm a business owner. Why in the world are you shutting down our county? 
He said, I and at least a million other people feel like I do. He said, I have six friends who have committed suicide because of the stress from what's happening to us. Brothers and sisters, the people in the world are hurting. I'm not justifying that man's threats. Don't get me wrong. I'm simply observing the fact that the world is under stress. And we need to have hearts full of compassion for them because there are people now looking for answers. You realize we are now in a climate where political leaders are taking prerogatives to take away freedoms. Maybe some of you saw the mayor of Los Angeles told the people that if you have any larger than normal gatherings at your home, we will cut off your utilities. Okay? So when we look at uh, Romans chapter 13, when Paul says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. This passage is going to be used in the last days against us. Do you realize that? This passage is not against us. It is for us. And one thing we need to realize is that in the word of God, of course, at the moment we have it on the, on the books of the Constitution, though the Constitution is being, being trampled on constantly now. <clears throat> but we have it in the word of God that our highest loyalty is to be to God and our obedience is to be to him. And Jesus says, look, there are times when government tells you to do things. You may not like them. You may not want to do them, but you, you are to do them. You are to cooperate with government unless it passes the line and comes over into disobedience to God. Amen. And then from over that line, we are not to pass. Like Peter said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Okay? <clears throat> now, the, 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 um, um, the people who were very influential in forming up America, its history, its philosophy, uh, were people who had experienced or who had closely observed persecution. Okay? Uh, we, you and I have lived in a unique society. Religious liber- liberty, uh, freedom to do, freedom to prosper, uh, but it's quickly going the other direction now. Uh, by the way, I don't know if any of you saw it or not, but when the, the governor of New Jersey was interviewed by someone from Fox News about him his shutting down his state, in one of the interviews I saw, he explicitly said that he had been taking directions from a high level, from a cardinal in the Catholic Church, and his name was Joe Tobin. Okay? So he's shutting down his state as per the high influence of a of a someone in the Catholic Church, a Catholic cardinal. Now, there was another governor over in South Dakota when she was interviewed. She had not shut down her state. And she said, when I became governor, she said, I swore loyalty to the United States Constitution. Another thing she said is, I believe my people have the ability to govern themselves. Isn't that good? So you got some people out there that are thinking actually like like Americans. Now, here's a simple point for you. It's very important, but here's a simple point for you. When it comes to government legislation, and if Romans 13 is looked at for what it is, you will see this. 
And when it comes to government legislation, government has no prerogative and no right to legislate any laws that have anything to do with the first four commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. These are in a realm holy of divine jurisdiction and oversight. No Caesar, no governor has any right to tell you anything about these things and how you are to believe. Okay? Now, Roger Williams, as you know, uh, he came, I believe he came over here from Europe. Yes, he did. And then he tried to get into the colonies, and they persecuted him a lot. Um, when he first came over, from what I understand, he was offered position as a pastor in, a, I think, a church in Boston. I'm not sure about all the details there. But he refused that position. You know why? Because that church was under the control of the Church of England. And he had just observed, before he came over here to the United States, them persecuting a man. What they did is they put him in a pillory because he went, uh, whatever the persecution wa- cause was. But you know what a pillory is. They lock your head behind your neck and your wrist, behind your fist in a, in a thing. So they lock you in and they took, should I say this? They took the man's nose and they split it up one side and they chopped off one of his ears and trying to get him given. And then a few days later, they brought him out, split up the other side of his ear, or cut off the other ear, split up the other side of his nose, and put him in jail indefinitely. You've heard that you've heard the uh, you've heard uh, the saying where Patrick Henry um, he said, "Can peace and life be purchased so dearly by chains?" He says, "Forbid it, Almighty God." I don't know what other people will do, but he says, "As for me, give me liberty or give me death." You know what fueled that comment? He was over in Culpeper, Virginia one day, and he came into town, and the man was being whipped for his crimes. He said, why in the world are they whipping this man? They had a scourge with metal tips. His bones, his, his ribs were bare in the back, and they were whipping this man. And they said, well, this man's refused a license to preach from the Church of England. And 16 ministers were that way. I think they were Baptist ministers. A few days, they brought the dear man out again and whipped him again, and he died. It was a martyr. What has been done in the name of religion is atrocious. You've heard the name William Penn, founder of Pennsylvania, city of uh, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. He was on trial over in England for not accepting a license to preach under the Church of England. And there were 12 jurors that were to decide on the case. And four of them said, no, we are not going to condemn this man for refusing a license from the Church of England. Those four jurors were tortured. They were put in jail. They were hung by their wrists, denied often food and water, denied the normal rights of a human being to use a restroom, uh, horribly treated, but they refused to exonerate the court and, in, and allow them to force this man against his conscience to have a license to preach. William Bushnell was, a, was one of the four jurors who they, who they um, persecuted so terribly. He was a very wealthy man, but he said, my liberty is not for sale. But out of that came a lot of good influences. See, these were people who had concepts that were forged by experience, and they saw the awfulness of taking away religious freedom. Brothers and sisters, 
Um, the Bible says where, there, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You know why we're losing our liberties in the world? Because the Spirit of God is being grieved away. Now, here's a thing that you and I need to understand. In these last days, we are going to have to stand for religious liberty. And it's a subject, and I'm going to quit here in just a few moments because I think I've talked enough for the moment. But this is a subject that we need to get a handle on. We need to understand our rights as citizens. We need to understand our rights as Christians. And we need to have on the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can face these things. By the way, when... If your turn comes, and if my turn comes, and it could well come, because in the end there will be many martyrs, God will give us the grace to stand at that time. I think it's page 302 in the book Great Controversy. Um, Ellen White says, or quotes rather, a martyr before they died, and they said this to their persecutors. They said, my faith has a confidence in God that resists all the powers of hell. My faith has a confidence in God that resists all the powers of hell. Brothers and sisters, at the end of time, let me, let me share this. Let me just encourage you or have you think upon this thought. If we do not have a genuine experience with Christ, we will capitulate. We will cave in. We must have Christ. We must have a relationship with him to stand up against the world. And it's only by being a partaker of the divine nature. He that overcometh, Revelation 21, he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be as God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving, and the murderers, and the adulterers, and whoremongers, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire. One of the things in that text is not only liars, it's those who are fearful. Do you realize that one of Satan's manipulating tactics is fear? Are you and I being controlled by fear? May God, save it. May God save us from it. Okay? I really want to encourage you to read the book Great Controversy. Chapter 35 is on liberty of, of conscience threatened. Chapter 11, chapter 16, the book Great Controversy are all very good material on the... Um, subject of religious liberty. The book is very important to read. I'm going to push it just a, a little bit more and then I'll be done. Says the Lord. This is a, a quote here from um, the Spirit of Prophecy. It says the Lord calls for His people to locate away from the cities, for in such an hour as He think not, fire and brimstone will be, will be rained from heaven upon these cities. Proportionate to their sins will be their visitation. When one city is destroyed, let not our people regard this matter as a light affair and think that they may, if favorable opportunity offers, build themselves homes in that same destroyed city. I could read you multiplied statements. Do the best you can to move out of the cities. Okay? Do the best you can. Pray. Ask God for wisdom and guidance. Um, very important point, but our most important point, brothers and sisters, is spiritual preparation. Okay? Jesus can take the weakest person, the most damaged, and he can build them up and heal them if they will constantly depend upon him. In Desire of Ages 3.24, it says the soul that has given himself to Christ is his own fortress, which he holds in a revolted world. And he intends that no 
authority shall be known in it but his own. A soul thus kept by the heavenly agencies is impregnable to the assaults of Satan. So Christ is powerful. He upholds the universe. And you know when we get to heaven, the sun's going to be seven times brighter there than here. Did you know that? Isaiah 30, verse 26. Seven times brighter. God's people, if you we don't know how far heaven is. We know how far Orion is. But if you calculate the speed traveling to Orion, we're told in spirit of prophecy it's going to take us one week to get to heaven. If you would calculate those miles, God's people will actually be traveling over 70,000 times the speed of light in their journey to heaven. That's just figuring to Orion. That means you would travel round trip from here to the sun, which is 93 million miles away, 72 times in one second. That's the speed that we're going to be moving. That's the almighty power that upholds this universe. And he can take care of us. The battle is over the mind. Trust in God, not in your own mind. Trust in his word and in his promises. Put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Let's have our closing hymn and then we'll have a closing song. Our closing hymn is going to be number 309, I Surrender All. If we could all stand as soon as we find it. Number 
Before we pray, I just want to mention something real brief. Um, I have a paper here. I have a few copies. It's called The Truth About Fasting. Um, There are references multiplied in the Bible and Spirit of Prophecy on that, and I believe as we get near to these last days, we need to practice some fasting. If you would try, like to try a day, I have a suggestion for you. Eat, eat no food, drink no water till noon, three or four in the afternoon, and then eat watermelon the rest of the day. That'll pull you nicely and quickly into the fasting mode. No food, no water till noon or so, and then eat watermelon the rest of the day. You get a nice internal cleanse from that. We need the improvement in our health and the clarity in our mind. Uh, fasting clears out the obstructions in the brain and allows it to think more efficiently. I have a few copies of this if anybody would like it. And as we um, close with prayer, I would like to, for us to kneel again before our maker. Dear Lord Jesus, we want to thank you so much that while we were yet sinners, that thou didst die for us. Lord Jesus, we love you. We want to love you more. Forgive us for our lukewarm love, if that can be said that way. And I pray, dear Lord, that we will see Jesus, that we will love him because he is our life. He is our Savior. He is our God. We thank you for suffering for us. We thank you for interceding for us. We thank you for sending us messages direct from the throne of God in the Bible, promises that we may claim and depend upon. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. We thank you for these promises. I pray for my brothers and sisters here. And Lord, if anyone here has not decided for you, I pray that now they will make that decision. Yes, I will turn my life over to Christ. I will follow him without reserve. Thank you for hearing our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name.